Hey, Andy Fortuna here, and I just wanted to thank you for taking the time to listen to Connect and Move Radio. If you are a licensed practitioner, such as a massage therapist, athletic trainer, acupuncturist, physical therapist, etc., who wants to use manual therapy and therapeutic exercise in their practice and become the go-to practitioner for health and performance, then I highly recommend looking into the holistic movement-based practitioner course I have created. This is a three-day live course with three-month remote mentorship to help you apply all the elements of the course into your own practice. If you are the practitioner who believes in treating the person as a whole, enjoys spending one-on-one time providing hands-on care, and loves helping people improve their confidence, their movement, and their inner self, then this course is for you. We go into detail about practical assessment and manual therapy skills, movement programming, and energy meditation work. You can find more information in the description at the bottom of this podcast or on my Instagram page at AF underscore move. That's AF underscore M-O-B-E. You can also reach me at my email, andy at myorenew.com. That's A-N-D-Y at M-Y-O-R-E-N-E-W.com. If you're interested in being part of an in-depth and immersive education experience, then take the time right now to send me an email because this course is only open to six students and has an active waitlist, so don't wait to take and make the decision. There's an application and interview process to make sure that the course is right for you. So if you believe this course is the right fit, make sure to sign up. Thanks again for listening and enjoy this episode. Hold up. another episode of Connect and Move Radio. I'm your host, Andy Fortuna. And today we're going to, we're going to be going into more in-depth version of the mind-body approach, uh, the female perspective um, of health and fitness. Today's guest, Jen Esker, a doctor in physical therapy, a top 40 physical therapy influencer, and one of the top 50 most influential healthcare professionals. She has been featured many times, including in Self Magazine, Men's Fitness, and muscle and fitness. Some of you may know her by Doc Jen Fit on IG. She is the founder and owner of Mobility Method. LLC sits on the medical advisory board for Women's Health Strong Fitness Magazine and has an impressive online presence with more than half a million followers where she helps people shape and reshape how they use their body. As an expert in physical therapy, she speaks all over the country the country, apologize, on the topic of health and longevity, attracting customers from stay-at-home moms to Hollywood actors and Olympic athletes. Jen is a self-proclaimed mover who has spent more than two-thirds of her life upside down helping herself and those who are willing to learn to listen to their body, reverse aging, eliminate pain, and do the things they never thought possible. Jen Esker, or should I say Dr. Jen Finn, Fitz, Welcome to the show. Thank you so much. I appreciate that. You know, I, I try my best to cut those uh, intros down, but there, it was just too good to cut down. So hopefully I did my best. I didn't butcher anything. Oh, my God. That was so sweet. You didn't have to mention <laughs> all that, but I appreciate it. Thank you. No problem. You worked hard for it. <laughs> yeah, it's so, been quite the journey. <laughs> so again, I mean, tell us your background um, for, I mean, again, just reading the the bio. I was like, wow, I didn't know all that. Um <laughs> Just kind of give us uh, your background, your story. Mm-hmm. Who is Jen Esker? Mm-hmm. Yeah, so, you know, I 
started as a gymnast from a young age, and I quit when I was like 16, started coaching, loved coaching, um, but I knew that wasn't like the ultimate goal. I didn't want to just, not just, but I didn't want to be a coach for the rest of my life. It was great, but I had deeper questions, like why am I taping an ankle? I was more fascinated by like the physical body and how I could adapt that rather than um, with coaching. And so I wanted to dive deeper into that. And then I started uh, teaching Pilates as well. Fell in love with that because for me, body weight movement was really what I knew being a gymnast. We do like mm-hmm. our conditioning is like hollow body holds and, mm-hmm. <laughs> and bar mm-hmm. stuff where I found out later, like conditioning means sprints and <laughs> running and stuff. I was like, what? That's not what we called conditioning. Right. Um, <laughs> so Pilates just really came naturally for me. But at the same time, when I would teach again, the same questions started to come up for me. Well, like, why am I modifying movement around injury and how could I really be helping this person more than just modifying around it? And so it really led me down to the path of, I knew I loved studying the human body. I knew I loved learning about it, but I didn't want to go down the doctor route of MD. So mm-hmm. I decided to go more into PT. Okay. And through that journey, that's where <laughs> social media just blew up uh, um, accidentally getting involved with the calisthenic community and kind of moving into fitness and wellness and in that kind of space. And then once I grad, and it's funny because you were asking me how to say my last name before, and I had my Instagram handle at the time because it was set up for family and friends in the beginning, mm-hmm. and it was Jen underscore ES underscore care. <laughs> Got it. <laughs> yeah, because that's how you said my name. Right. Um, but later on, once I graduated, I wanted people to know, you know, I do more than just handstands. And <laughs> besides just watching my body move, I can actually educate you and you can learn from me. And so that's when I decided to change my handle to Doc Gen Fit. Mm-hmm. And I did transfer more into the educational aspect. For me, I was super hesitant. I was a new grad. Um I didn't, I thought people already knew a lot of the stuff. I thought it was basic or I didn't want to be judged by my colleagues and my peers. And once I kind of got over that and I just saw how it was like really helping people and people were gravitating toward it way more than my fitness stuff, I started to just post more. And it was very, very much about the physical and not too much about who I am as a person. Um, And I was kind of in a place of being afraid to really show that. I was afraid of judgment. I was afraid of people really just judging me for me. I grew up Mm -hmm. very shy, grew up um, very hardworking within my body, but kind of saw it as an external. And it wasn't until really like, I mean, even in PT school, I got a taste of appreciating how people moved beyond their limitations and didn't let disease or diagnoses hold them back, like from Mm -hmm. cerebral palsy or amputations and really working with that kind of population was really amazing to me. And it wasn't until I started to connect more to me and kind of break out of my shyness that I started to show more of who I am through social media, share my personal story. Um, open up to people about my own insecurities, my own struggles, and really start to connect this mind-body connection. Um, And for me, it's been 
completely that that's how I treat people in person, you know, like when I, when someone comes to me now and luckily I'm not working within a clinic, so I'm not rushed to see a client every 15, 20 minutes, I get to spend as much time as I want with them now, which is beautiful because I think the most important part is being able to hear someone's story, like their full story of what's happening within their life. Because I do believe that pain is so interconnected to our environment, not just our physical bodies. Mm-hmm. And so that's where I really started to dive in even more within myself and within my clients. And it's hard to still relay that message on social media. People are still attracted very much to the physical aspect. Mm-hmm. Um, but I do my best, especially within captions, to bring in the message of this whole person, the whole body, and not not a fear of pain. I mean, you mentioned, uh, first of all, that's... That's quite a journey. That's first of all. Um, second of all, you mentioned something very important that I think um, something I started noticing as well in social media, and a lot of people notice, right? But it's the flashy physical, right? Mm-hmm. Like people, when it comes to either how much you lift or what you can do, right? They'll, that's usually what catches more people's or catches uh, the attention of people more. But then when you start to talk about more of the human human side of things, like emotional, you know, uh, self-reflection, some people kind of turn away because that takes that to be able to talk about that also takes strength mm-hmm. to be able to even create awareness around that. Not only hearing it from somebody else, but creating a conversation within yourself about that takes a lot of strength because for you to be able to even go down that route, you have to you have to be aware that you're not perfect. Mm-hmm. And for a lot of people, um, including myself, right, you have the, this, this defense mechanism, uh, not only against other people, but against yourself, right? Mm-hmm. So um, I think you mentioned a really important part, uh, which is the physical. But then you started saying, you know what, like I got into like social media was a lot of, you know, handstands and calisthenics. <laughs> um, but what, and I see that a lot now, like, I, I think you do a really good job of, of really tying in the message message of the of the human side, right? Of the emotional side, uh, not just a physical. Physical is cool and it's awesome to work on, but a lot of times, what the one we lack is that mental side. Mm-hmm. Um, so, what I want to go into right now is how how what are what was one of the approaches one as a practitioner and someone as an educator trying to teach more of the mental side and the mind body approach. Uh, would be my first question. And the second one, uh, or however you want to choose to to answer is, how did you go about you yourself making that transition? And again, it's I say transition, but it's really more of a, uh, a relationship. It's more of a practice because mm-hmm. even as a practitioner, um, even though as much as you want to preach, you need to practice. And sometimes one leads the other. Sometimes you may be practicing more than you preach. Sometimes you may be preaching more than you practice because we're all human at the end of the day. So let's go into that a little bit more as far as how how you um, started to incorporate more of that mental and that mind-body approach uh, with patients, clients, and even through education. Yeah. You know, for me, I think it was just this continu- continued journey of, okay, why and how, even leaving physical therapy school. I mean, I think it's unfortunate that I know myself and a lot of other PTs, we we kind of leave with this like, okay, I have this tool set of how to diagnose a specific injury and how to, you know, how to treat relatively speaking <laughs> that injury, but how do I actually help a person? 
mm-hmm. and and truly walk them through the journey. And unfortunately, I think what you're what you're taught most of the time in PT school is how to look at a specific area. And most most of that is because we do have to learn so much of the anatomy, physiology, differential diagnosis, and all these things within that specific area, mm-hmm. um, and then be able to pass boards. But at the same time, we have to step back and look at, hey, this is a whole person that I'm treating here. This isn't, and the whole person is connected everywhere through our environment, through from my big toe up to my head. I am all interconnected. And so why are we taught so much just to look at one body part? And typically that's how treatment goes. Like, oh, your back hurts. Let me rub on your back, put some e-stem on your back, put some ultrasound on your back, like do some exercises for your back. Like it gets very specific and localized when we're not moving from one body part, like even just walking. If someone thinks of walking, you step from one foot to another. Now we're doing single leg balance. We're using our ankles, our toes. We have rotation through our legs. We have knee bends, straightening. We have rotation through our back, we have, which automatically your head will go in a different direction, you know? So if we think about it, we have a whole body interaction any place that we do in life, which makes it quote unquote functional. But yet we go to someone and we think only fix a specific part of me. And it just doesn't make sense. And so for me, it was this continued journey of looking to other people who were doing things maybe a little bit differently, whether it was chiropractors or um, anyone, really. I didn't, I didn't care who I would learn from I just wanted to learn. I wanted to learn what they were doing, what they're incorporating, how they were looking at the body as a whole. And I did learn from a lot of different practitioners, and that could even be someone who taught yoga, a personal trainer, a um, a chiropractor, an acupuncturist. Like it, I don't care really who I learn from because at the end of the day, I'm trying to help a human, mm-hmm. and I can relate whatever I learned within school and pack on these new layers and these new dimensions of what of of what it really takes to look at a person as a whole and connect that. And for me, I started to learn a lot about breath work and just the ability to manipulate our autonomic nervous system, which in turn can then gives us the responsibility of getting out of stress, of reducing inflammation, of um, getting out of spasm, out of tightness, improving mobility, just on our ability to breathe more efficiently and at certain times throughout the day, especially when we're in a heightened state of stress. So, and then starting to observe and listen to people's stories like, oh, okay, you're saying at certain times there's no pain at all. But then when you're in other times, there is pain. And maybe sometimes you're sitting, maybe sometimes you're not, you're not really sure why it's coming on and off. Maybe it's the environment you're in rather than the physical act that you're actually doing. And when I really started to observe stories from that end, I really started to to put the pieces and the connections together. And I started to fill it in my body as well. So coming back to my own personal journey and really starting to see how this all unfolds and how I can integrate it into my own practice, um, it was when I was I was still in um, undergrad when I was teaching Pilates, or was I? I might have been in grad school. And I was teaching Pilates at this one chiropractic office. And it was like a year before they were finally like, do you want to come in and get an evaluation finally? <laughs> I was like, sure. 
So I went in and got checked and I got the whole x-ray and everything. And it turns out I had scoliosis and like bored Mm. head. And I was like, that's not my body. (laughs) Like this can't be me. Um, And I was kind of blown away and taken back. I had no idea, which is so funny because I remember in physical therapy school doing like a static evaluation and we were all in like sports bras and and shorts Mm -hmm. and my left side really dipped in more and someone was like oh maybe you do a lot more of your demonstration for like side planks and obliques on your left side I'm like Mm -hmm. does that make sense (laughs) like is that right and then I remember looking at photos that we had to take of ourselves and one shoulder was way higher and they were like again it was like oh, well, that's normal. You're right-handed. Oh, it's normal to be lower. Or, you know, all these different things where no one was really telling me, even in PT school, you know, what the the background of that really could be coming from or what the root cause. And then I got an x-ray and I got, and it said scoliosis. And again, I wasn't afraid. Like I already do calisthenics. I do acro yoga. I work on my back bends. I don't have pain. So I felt like I was punked first. I was like, that's not mine. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. But once I I started to observe like, oh, my body does have all these imbalances. That's interesting. It just gave me an awareness to be able to learn, okay, where are my imbalances? And then at some points, I would notice that my right shoulder blade would really flare out. But I noticed it was only in times of stress. Mm -hmm. And one time in particular, I got in a car accident. Everyone was fine. Maybe not so much my car, (laughs) Mm -hmm. but everyone else. And immediately my right shoulder blade flared up. And I was like, oh my God, that's so cool. Like this just confirms what I was thinking. This is a time of stress. I'm not necessarily like injured. This is because of the stressful situation I'm in. And the moment I was able to acknowledge it, like literally it went away. And so that was my introduction to like, oh my gosh, like this really is a mind-body connection and our mind remembers these let's call it areas of tension or areas that it feels like it needs to guard or be more protective of and it it's easier to feel the pain physically in that area when we're in these moments that maybe take us back to when we had a prior injury, when we've had trauma in our life, when we're super stressed out at work, when we're super stressed out at home, like all these different scenarios, your body remembers and it's able to literally place it back into that physical pain. And it's crazy, but we also know that we do have something called neurotags within our brain now that that is that memory spot. And Mm -hmm. it's just crazy to be able to then take that and say, okay, well, I don't want to make it seem like my patients are crazy because that's the other thing with, with pain science. I think it's that it's like, and I've even had, um, colleagues of mine come to me and they're like, this is crazy. Like I'm feeling it in my own shoulder, but I don't think that I'm one of my patients. Like I, like pain science to me was always taught to me as like, well, it's kind of like you're crazy and you need to calm down. (laughs) But it's not. And I think we need to get out of that stigma and out of this like only pain science or only biomechanics and start to mold the two and start to understand how they all work together. It's not one or another. It's it's one, yes, create more efficiency and and load over time within the body properly, sure. Mm-hmm. And then understand 
where your body is connected emotionally to your body and start to become more aware of when that happens within your environment. Because when we start to do that, we start to take back control of our own bodies rather than I'm out of control. This is what's happening in my body and I have zero like responsibility over it, which is just not true. We have yeah. all the responsibility over our bodies. I think you, you mentioned, again, you're, guys, if, for the listeners, if you guys haven't written anything down, make sure that you are going back and listening to this again because she, she is spilling out a lot of valuable information right now. Yeah. And I'm just going to go back. I mean, like you mentioned, I've talked to a couple other practitioners as well. And, and it's not to, yes, a little bit to the school system is a little jab. But in reality, I went, again, as practitioners, you go in through a program they're not going to teach you everything. No. It's, it's almost impossible to do that. Mm-hmm. One, not everybody is in the same um, wavelength as far as when it comes to learning all this stuff, which is why it takes time. But mm-hmm. they're really um, preparing you for a board, right? Mm-hmm. But the same pain points that you had, I went through. Like, okay, I understand. Because I was uh, as I was going through a master's in athletic training, I was a massage therapist. So I was working already with people in the, mm-hmm. in, in the realm that I was working my way up to uh, with a master's degree. So, you know, you would see things, static assessments or, you know, isolated uh, differential diagnoses or just like the assessments being so isolated. But again, they're teaching you one way of uh, seeing the body, mm-hmm. uh, which is neither bad right, mm-hmm. or right. It's just another tool, just another perspective. Yeah. Um, but it's like you mentioned, you know, as you start to learn, uh, one of the things that the movement maestro always uh, says is like education doesn't stop once you get a degree or certification it's the beginning that's when you start everything right. that's when you really open up to the world and you start to that's when the door opens and then you're you can go either really specialty and go into like pediatrics or powerlifting or whatever it is or you want to go into like pilates and more of that realm or be a generalist whatever it is but mm-hmm. you have the opportunity to now um pick right and to really explore uh, it gives you the opportunity but another thing you mentioned is that um, the ANS, right, the autonomic uh, nervous system, which is something that they tap into a little bit in school, but you're starting to see a lot of that more, especially when it comes to stress, emotional, uh, and anxiety type of uh, illnesses. Um, it's a big component, right? We, we're starting to see where breathing, right, where mm-hmm. um, exposure therapy and stuff like that are giving you the opportunity to now hone into what your body's feeling in certain uh, moments, right, to have that awareness, which I think is something that's starting to to grow as well. Um, and a couple other three, uh, three more points that I want to mention is you mentioned listening and talking. Even earlier on when you were talking about your story, you, you were saying, one of the things that you love about the way you're practicing is you get the opportunity to actually talk to your patients before you even put any hands on them or whatever, before you even, you know, you're just having a conversation, whether it's 15, 20 minutes, and you're really learning about the human being. You're learning about the person in front of you, not just the ailment or the pain point that they may be having, whether it's a knee pain or back pain. Um, you get to really understand where they're coming from, why uh, why uh, helping or reducing this pain is so important to them, whether it's, you know, fitness-wise, whether it's health and family, whether it's they're preparing for a wedding, whatever it is. Mm-hmm. But um, usually, like you mentioned, in a traditional setting, you only have 15 to 20 minutes, if that, to kind of get as much information as you can to be able to go into treatment. But, and it's one of the things that I love uh, to be able to have this, again, this cash-based practice, is this one-on-one type of concierge practices. Mm-hmm. Again, you have that, that time to yeah. talk, yeah. to listen, which I think... Um, which I tell even practitioners and interns um, and people just looking for more information is that 
the most valuable thing is not necessarily the tools you have at mm-hmm. hand, but what the person tells you. Oh, is yeah. your, your, that listening aspect, if you can use your ears, most of the time, everything else that you're using is just to confirm things. Yeah. Whether it's a special test, whether it's a movement, whether it's palpation, the patient, right, is one of our, is one of the best doctors yourself. You know yourself more than anyone. You're with yourself 365 days, 24-7, right? Now, mm-hmm. what the hard part is, like we mentioned earlier, you, you start to like compartmentalize certain things to kind of not deal, but talking and listening is one of those aspects, um, which I think is super important, super important. And you mentioned it yourself, I thought was super cool. Um, and we mentioned pain and environment and how mm-hmm. sometimes, and <laughs> it's funny you mentioned that because when I'm having this conversation with patients or, or someone talking to me about pain, I was like, all right, I, I know, I know the squat is bothering you, but what happened to your knee when, you know, when did this start happening a year ago? And they're like, no, no, I'm talking about like, it was bothering me yesterday. I was like, yeah, I understand. But, and then and you go into me like, look, it's not that you're crazy. I don't want you to think you're crazy, but um, when you're under a lot of stress, right? When you had a bad day at work or at home, you're fighting with your spouse, whatever, whatever stressor it may be, your body now creates an alert and that can be a residual pain that you may have had you've been dealing with and it'll kind of create that alert or whatever it is it'll find its way to kind of alert you mm-hmm. um and the body is so interconnected where it will do that yeah. so it's funny that you mentioned <laughs> that you don't want people to, to or to tell someone that they're crazy which that's not the topic that we're trying to say but no. it's trying to it's the message of saying hey the body's connected and it doesn't always have to be biomechanical for it to be the cause and i think now um people are starting to be a little more open to that conversation, um, which turns into a long conversation afterwards when they tell you, oh, wow, though, that means maybe, you know, um, it's funny because I had this pain again, you know, two years ago, and then it kind of went away. And, you know, I was having, I was going through this tough time where whatever it is, you can put X, Y, and Z, and it kind of flared up. I was like, yeah, exactly. You know, certain things like that have right. an effect on certain things on, you know, body in itself. Um, yeah. And I think we really have to be open to that conversation. Like you have to be willing to be wrong about why your pain might be being there. Mm -hmm. Um, Google might be wrong. (laughs) What you were taught. Yeah. What you were taught to believe might be wrong. And you have to truly be open to the process if you're going to come see a practitioner because mm-hmm. so many so often right we want to blame the practitioner like i'm i know i see a lot of people who've been to many different practitioners and it's not that i'm the magical one who fixed them <laughs> at mm-hmm. all it's that i'm really now they're in a space where they're so open because they're so frustrated like nothing worked <laughs> right. that they're now open to what i have to say Because the reality is we have to be open and willing to learn the lessons from what other people are saying. And we have to be open to hearing something different. Like, I know you were taught to believe that if you have back pain, go get an adjustment and it'll go away. Mm -hmm. But what if I can tell you that this continues to flare back up or is coming to the surface because of something you're dealing with in your environment? And if Mm -hmm. we just started to change also your biomechanics and maybe some of we can look at some of your strength and balances Mm -hmm. and 
look at what you're dealing with in your everyday life, what if that was the thing to actually get back to the root cause so you won't have to come see me in a, in a couple of weeks? So you right. wouldn't have to come back, you know, and all or three times a week. I think that's silly unless you're mm-hmm. post-surgery. No one needs to really be doing that. And so it's really op- like I urge people to be open to the idea of other possibilities, of other things, and be willing to at least openly try it on and see what works. And the other thing is I'm usually not even the one who's telling the patient that like, well, it sounds like you're stressed or this is happening and this is mm-hmm. why your pain is happening. It's usually like, um, like for example, I had one client a few weeks ago and she uh, she came in and she said, you know, her... <laughs> her pain was not as bad this day. Mm-hmm. And I usually see clients on Mondays and she was like, it was, it was not as bad over the weekend. And I was thinking, oh my goodness, I want it to be bad because I want to see Jen when it's super flared up. And, and we were just talking about that. And I was like, okay, okay, I hear you. Now, what do you think could be different during the week that maybe you didn't feel it as much during the weekend? And she said, well, sitting at work. And I'm like, yeah, that's a possibility. Sure. Um, but were you not sitting at all throughout the weekend? Like, were you sitting in cars to transfer your kids? Were you sitting to watch sports? Were you sitting in different areas as well? And she's like, well, yeah. And I was like, okay, great. So maybe that's not one of the main factors. What if there was something else? Like, is there something different? Like, what makes it different Monday through Friday than is different Saturday and Sunday? And she's like, well being at work and stressed. And I'm like, mm-hmm. mm, maybe that's something we get to look at. Like, do you work in a stressful environment? What is that like? What brings on stress? What moments can you remember? Now, can you think of your pain in relation to that? And so I get, I'm just asking questions. Mm-hmm. And my goal is always to get the patient there on their own. Because mm-hmm. if I'm the one telling them, they're typically not going to be as open to that idea or open to the change. You know, it's like someone can tell you something all day long, but until you feel it yourself and truly understand it, it's hard to actually like put it on your body. So it's like aha moment, Mm -hmm. getting them to to have that aha moment. Mm -hmm. I think, I think, you, you know, guiding them there, I think is super important. I think you mentioned a great and it's true because if you are the one kind of like suggesting certain things, it becomes more like, oh, yeah, yeah you told me that. But if it's mm-hmm. you are asking certain questions that are leading, like open-ended questions that are leading them to the point where they're like, oh, you know what? You know, this time when I was at whatever, you know, I was sitting and, you know, I had to do an, I had a, a meeting coming up and I, all of a sudden I started having this flare-up. But after, before that, there was no issue. Um, yeah, I think that's super important. I think that's super important to have them to lead them there. And not only with, uh, obviously as an assessment like that, but even through movement and through guidance and, mm-hmm. um, home exercise, exercise programs. I think totally, totally hundred um, percent agree. You, you mentioned also too, you had scoliosis and you mm-hmm. went through, uh, obviously PT school, people had, were kind of giving you a little hints of what may be going on. Um, but you really didn't have the full picture, but and I guess the other aspect of that was you were still very active, like mm-hmm. very, very active doing gymna- uh, gymnastics, uh, any other activities that you were doing as well. And you didn't necessarily have any pain. Mm-hmm. I think sometimes people and especially to like MRIs and x-rays where a lot of times they do more harm than good because mm-hmm. just because you may be having a herniated disc or a bulging disc that a lot of people are walking around with. Mm-hmm. Um, 
you might not you might have had a car accident or a certain type of injury or, or accident or something happened to kind of not amplify that and make it more on an, a more of an an irritation i think having that perspective of just because you might you might your body might not be perfect doesn't mean it's always going to produce pain mm-hmm. and i think sometimes people might have like some type of again if it's scoliosis or um i don't know you name postural uh limitations or anything like that they're already saying oh you know i'm having pain because of this or or you have bad posture which means you're gonna have pain here there's a lot of people walking around with bad posture and don't complain about pain one bit and Mm -hmm. you're like what the heck and then you have someone with great posture and great form talking about pain and talking about how they're having this and you know Mm -hmm. i think sometimes having that perspective and i think talking about that and then you mentioned that you're like yeah you know i had scoliosis i didn't or i didn't know i had scoliosis until i had an x-ray done but before that, you were so active and never had any issues. So I think um, as, as some of the listeners in there that are uh, listening right now, I think sometimes jumping the gun on just what you see is not always the the right thing, I guess. Is, oh, yeah. You know? Your body is way more resilient and capable than we typically have been taught mm-hmm. to give it credit for. And yeah. that's one of the, the beautiful things I saw in PT school as well was, you know, meeting a young man who had uh, cerebral palsy, completely living on his own, full of contractures within his body, lived out of a wheelchair. But watching him pull it, like get himself down, put on shoes and socks, get himself back into his wheelchair, it looks painful because I'm telling mm-hmm. you people, contractures, like his muscles don't extend, his joints don't move very well. And yet, no complaining. And when he got too big to pull himself back into his wheelchair, he started swimming with his PT so that he could lose weight. Another young woman, um, junior rheumatoid arthritis, could barely open her legs, can only bend her arm to 90 degrees, and yet she's running every day and doing yoga. I mean, we are are like our own worst enemy. We put that pressure on ourselves. And sometimes it's not only us, it's, it's the external, right? It is that getting the MRI, going to the doctor and being told, oh, you're not going to be able to do this again. Oh, you shouldn't do this anymore. Oh, running, that's terrible for you. Or, or this is your back. Like, oh no, that looks really bad. Like how often, you know, does that happen? And it's really so sad because your image does not dictate your abilities at mm-hmm. all. Um, and, and I, and I remember getting a DM one time and it's like, oh, well, my, my chiropractor told me I have scoliosis or I should never load my spine anymore. What should I do for exercise? And I'm thinking, I like laughed and I'm like, you know, well, if that's what we're telling her, well, then she better just lie on her back all day long because even standing is going to load your spine. (laughs) And it's, it's crazy, the limitations and the fear that we're putting into people's bodies. And the idea of you need this one surgery, you need this one pill, you need this one massage, this one technique that's going to magically make everything better. And it's not the case. We don't live a life without pain. We don't live a life, you know, it it just doesn't happen. And it's okay. And I think we have to also get out of this mindset that we're not going to have pain. Pain is actually a beautiful thing. I like to remind people and reframe that in their minds. Because if we don't have pain, then we don't know when something's happening in our bodies. We don't know when we need to address something. We don't know 
when our environment might be too stressful and we're not addressing things within our life. We're not getting enough sleep. We're not getting enough water. We're adding too much inflammatory food into our diet. We're around toxic people. We're in a stressful work environment. We don't know until that pain comes. And so pain is actually your beautiful alarm system to just alert you, hey, There's something you get to be aware of right now that you're not really addressing. And it could be physical, very well could be, could be emotional, could be your environment, could be your food that you're, that you're putting in your body. It could be so many different things. And so if you open yourself up to just this idea of pain isn't bad, because the moment we say pain is bad, why is it here? This is bad. I need to get out of it. I need to get rid of it. I don't have time for this. The moment when we start driving into that mindset and that conversation in our bodies, it only 100% jacks up that that stressful stimulus. It, it increases that sympathetic system of fight, flight, freeze, because we're, we're telling our mind, oh my God, why is this happening? This is bad. And our body goes into a guarding protective mechanism. It's only going to tighten us up more. It's only going to drive more cortisol through the body. It's only going to make your body feel more inflamed, more tight, more restricted, more pain, because it's also going to make your nerves a little bit more sensitive. So rather than having that conversation, what if we actually started to appreciate pain and say, okay, I see this is an alarm. Now, it doesn't necessarily mean where I'm feeling it is the problem, but I appreciate the alarm. Now, how can I start to learn what's, what, what I'm neglecting in my body or in my life that I need to add back in? You said a very powerful word, and it's resilience, which led to all these beautiful words you just mentioned when it comes to pain. Because a lot of times people in pain all of a sudden freak out, right? Why am I in pain? Like you just mentioned, they go into this negative feedback loop. Why am I in pain? I got to get out of this. I got to, you know, I got to get rid of this. Mm-hmm. Um you mentioned resilience and and that that cannot be any more true i mean that's our bodies it's we're so strong i mean a lot of times when i when i work with somebody is and a lot of times like it's like you mentioned they're not necessarily going through it's not necessarily a a big time injury um you know they might be feeling some chronic stuff that you know maybe it might be some strength might be some confidence might be some self-talk that they've been kind of steering themselves into more of the negative realm and when i tell somebody a lot of times is i'm my biggest goal is to is to help you realize how strong you really are and that's both mentally and physically um and i give them a lot of times i give them the um the i guess a story i guess you can call it but it's more so a perspective of one day i was at a here at a bfit where my office is located here in miami and I was uh, in one of the classes because sometimes the classes are super hard, especially if you had a long day. And sometimes I can only work, you know, do the boot camps at least two, you know, twice a week, once a week. Um, and I had to do uh, deadlifts. Mm-hmm. And I usually do pretty good kettlebell deadlifts. But, man, it was, it was by, like, the third round. And I'm just like, God. <laughs> I'm looking around. People are just, not, like, not, you know, not saying anything. I'm the only one really moaning and, like, you know, carrying myself around. And I'm approaching this kettlebell. And then when I realized, I was like, wow, the first and second set, I was really, I guess you can say I was in a bad mood. I was like, mm-hmm. man, you know, I'm so out of shape. I'm so tired right now. Mm-hmm. Um, like, I don't know if I can do this. I was like, what if, just what if, as I approach this kettlebell to be able to do a deadlift, 
um, I say some positive things, some nice Ooh. things. So I looked at it. I was like, you know what? And the first few words were curse words. <laughs> <laughs> more so, again, it. I guess you can say curse words as a negative, but more so, I for me at that point is more like as encouragement. It's like, okay, I'm not gonna let this thing uh, take over and make it more negative myself. So, um, f you, kettlebell. By the way, <laughs> I'm gonna, you know, I'm I'm gonna do this, mm-hmm. and then I am confident that I will do this. And these ten next ten to twelve reps, I'm gonna do them really well. And it's okay if I get tired. It's okay if I'm fatigued afterwards. What I'm gonna do is because I know I have another round. Is I'm just gonna take it step by step. If I have to do planks, which were the next things up. If I have to do, uh, I think it was farmers walks with rows or something like that. Something. Um, I'm just gonna take the next step. I'm not gonna mm-hmm. be like, because uh, prior to that it was more like, all right, I got kettlebell. Dang, I gotta do kettlebell. How many I have to do? Damn, damn, mm-hmm. ten. And then you're like, damn, I'm so tired. I got another round. I gotta do. I gotta do planks, man. Last time when we did it, 20 seconds, I gotta do 30. And then you're, you know, you just, it's just more of a negative mm-hmm. loop. It's more of a negative uh, chain of reactions, more like an avalanche. Um, and that could be said as well when it comes to pain and when it comes to stressful uh, situations. Um, and I give this antidote and I give this story to people because and I think it's important for them to realize that us as practitioners go through these certain things. Um, and I mean, the, the, the moral of the story was resilience is like, and how you create confidence within yourself and how self-talk can hinder those two things, right? If you are constantly telling yourself, I can't, I won't, how can I, I'm not good enough. You're, you're already setting yourself up for failure. And same thing totally. as, with, as with pain, as we talked about, I'm, why am I in pain? Oh my God, I got to get out of this. Rather than taking a step back and be like, okay, is there anything in particular that I did that may be causing this? Um, okay, yeah, you know, I was doing this. You know, it might be, it might feel as pain, but it might be fatigue. You know, I'm, you know, I'm tired. I haven't done this in a while. Mm-hmm. It might be my body kind of getting acclimated. Or you know what? I kind of felt a little something, something. It might be, I might have to kind of, you know, sit back a little bit, do less. Yeah. Um, and I think, I think, like you mentioned, resilience, and I, I went into confidence, and I went right into self-talk, like you mentioned, positive and negative. And I think. Because the words are very powerful, mm-hmm. super powerful. And I think people forget that, even myself forget that, how powerful words and how they can influence how your mind perceives things and how then your body is, works in a sense. So if you are, are having this negative talk like we were talking about and now you have lack of confidence, guess what your resilience is going to look like? It's going to look like crap. Right? Mm-hmm. It's going to feel like crap. So, and then now how you see the world is in its negative light, right? Because we all have those days where we wake up, we're feeling good, no pain, right? You just, the the sun is as bright as can be. You go to work, everything's going right. You go to the gym, everything's working well. You you know, your kids, everything's kind of like going to the teeth just as planned, right? And a lot of times when those days happen, like I mentioned, pain is not really an issue. I wonder why, right? Mm-hmm. Um, mood and emotional state is so much brighter, right? The, it could be raining, right? could be raining but you're like oh you know you're looking at the the glass half full now the next day you wake up you might be a little achy for whatever reason you get too much uh your sleep wasn't as restful um at work you know maybe a project you were working on had maybe a little uh hiccup um you went to drop off the kids one of the kids were late um you went to the gym one set was harder than the other you've been working on this person you know now it starts to become but what i realized too along with the self-talk is reaction how do how do we 
react to certain things, right? How, no matter if it's negative or positive, how you react to that is going to dictate what your, again, that self-talk is going to look like, what that confidence is going to look like, what that resilience is going to look like. Again, we talked about imaging, right? Yeah, an image, x-ray, MRI can give you one piece of information, but it's not the entire story, right? We talked about earlier about talking and listening, mm -hmm. right? Same way we as practitioners need to listen uh, to patients and clients and people that we're working with or even uh, students, the same way we have to listen to our bodies. I think mm -hmm. sometimes we forget that. I think we, we put the accountability on other people, whether it's a coach or a practitioner or the person, whatever, whoever's around us, mom, dad, parents, whatever it is, uh, spouses, significant others. I think a big top, a big point of that is also accountability. I think how we uh, create accountability on ourselves says a lot how we deal with, with certain situations, which again leads back to, to pain. And I think you mentioned too, not I think, you mentioned uh, pain as a beautiful alarm system. <laughs> Mm -hmm. and, and when you said that, I mentioned, uh, I, I imagine fairy dust everywhere. <laughs> um, and I think it's, it's, it's super important because it is an alarm system. It's a guide, right? Cause just cause you're in pain doesn't mean all of a sudden you have to throw in the white flag and be like, all right, I'm done. No, at certain points, it's actually, like you mentioned an alarm system. Okay. Something going on. Let me take a step back. What happened? Um, and it's also a guide pain can be, Hey, like you mentioned, I might not be eating the right foods that's causing, causing this inflammation or, you know what, maybe I've been working really hard or working out really hard the last three weeks and my body's telling me, hey, uh, by the way, knocking on the front door, you might be uh, uh, running, at, you know, running full head, but with low steam, you know, you're, you, uh, you're trying to go as, you know, 100% all the time, but you're not giving your body the, the time to recover. So a lot of times it's just kind of stepping back, you know, easing on the gas on the on the gas pedal to be able to move forward 10 steps you know so i mean i know i said a lot but the idea is <laughs> resilience mm -hmm, right i think mm -hmm. the one of the most important words you just said right now uh, in the last few minutes was resilience and then how that leads to self-talk um and how positive and negative self-talk plays a big role on confidence and i think that also um accountability too like how uh, awareness and accountability um uh, plays a big role on how we react to certain things. Yeah, totally. And, you know, I think the biggest gift that we give ourselves, and I, I say like my greatest tool for patients is compassion. Because when I can mm -hmm. open up space and hold compassion for their pain, like I'm never going to discount someone's pain. What you're feeling is what you're feeling. Mm -hmm. um, and I'm never going to discount someone's journey, your trauma, your, your experience, that's your own. And no one gets to, you know, really tell you what you feel. Only you can feel that. Um, and so I, I open up space with a lot of compassion for people to be able to have compassion for themselves. Because I think that's the hardest part of the journey is really discovering this, this self-talk comes with like, okay, like compassion. Like, okay, I'm, I'm not, ha this isn't the greatest workout that I want to do right now. Can I have compassion for that and say, that's okay. Like mm -hmm. today might not look like I thought it was going to, but hey, look it, I can still move. I can still pick up weight. I can still, I can still use my body. Like that's pretty freaking unbelievable mm -hmm. because a lot of people can't. So can I have compassion for this moment and this journey that I'm on with my body and still appreciate the fact that I can move? 
so it's like it's how how fast can we catch ourselves is really the the conversation because it's not that you're going to be perfect it's not that this is you're going to start saying i am statements and it's magically you're never going to be negative again like that's not reality right so how can i open up my own awareness so i can catch myself sooner and i can come back into appreciation for this body that i have because we really, really do get to appreciate it. And when the more that we appreciate it, the more we move into it. Absolutely. Um, and, you know, I think it, it's just self-compassion is, is the way to true healing. It's the mm. way to, to being able to be human. <laughs> like, mm-hmm. no, you're going to feel angry. You're going to feel sadness. You're going to feel pain. You're going to feel all these different things. You're going to feel happy. But sometimes you might not feel happy and you're still going to have to show up and bring joy. So you can still shift your, your state of being, even if you don't feel like it, you might not feel like working out and you might feel tired and yet you can still shift into, but I know I can move and I have the ability to. So why don't I get out of bed and, and do something might not be what I thought it was going to be last night, but maybe Mm -hmm. I can still get out of bed and do mobility. And I appreciate the fact that I can, do that you know and it's like just being able to catch ourselves in these moments bring ourselves back into appreciation and gratitude for where we are along our own journey without comparison of other people's without expectations and because when we hold expectations of ourselves or other people in or or situations or whatever it may be like we that's where stress comes from most of the time Mm -hmm. (laughs) is that we we're holding such a high expectation of of something rather than just being in appreciation and acceptance if we could just be in appreciation and acceptance we let things go a lot easier and we release it and it doesn't it doesn't attach onto us as stressful, which is hard and a practice. And that's why I'm saying like, be in awareness, catch yourself, have compassion for yourself and say, okay, how am I going to move forward? I mean, exactly. I mean, you, you hit it right on the head, right? It's controlling your reaction to have compassion. And again, not every situation, every day is going to be nice and sunny. And yeah. But uh, you know how you go about that, I think says a lot. And you said it's practice. I mean, mm-hmm. none of practice. us are saying, including myself, because I go through this as well, um, there's going to be some hard, hard days, mm-hmm. right? And there's going to be some really nice days. Mm-hmm. But um, one of the things one of my professors says uh, uh, was, I, I forgot where, where he, I don't know if it was like the Zen or Buddha mindset, I forgot what it was. But it doesn't matter what happens, you try to keep an even keel. You have a great day, awesome, you're in the neutral line. You have mm-hmm. a very sad day, okay, you're in the neutral line, right? Not trying to overwhelm yourself with too much right, joy or happiness, right? Because then it's hard for you to kind of go the other way, but trying to keep yourself in the balance of between and trying to enjoy each part, right? Because just as as good as to have happiness, sadness also teaches you, right? Or grief or whatever, it teaches you how to respect those good things you have in life, mm-hmm. you know? So I think um, I'm a big believer that everything's meant to be, right? Everything that mm-hmm. happens, it happens for a reason. Mm-hmm. Whether sadness or happiness i think every moment can be a teaching moment and it's Mm -hmm. a good uh it's a great component and a great opportunity to learn compassion and practice 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 i mean practice just doesn't come with physical it comes with the mental and emotional side and everything else in between Mm -hmm. i think um i also wanted to talk about again you talk a lot about this in your platform on ig um and through your your platforms um that you have available is this 
and we mentioned this appearance, this this this, this comparison, which I've talked about on other episodes, um, kind of like how I went through anxiety and depression, um, kind of comparing myself with other people on social media and, and business and and what I haven't had the opportunity to talk about or have somebody talk about is the female perspective, right? Mm. The uh, when it comes to um, how as a female, right, you, you're portrayed to have this, you have to have this perfect appearance on social media, right? Your hair can be this way or whatever it is, whatever it may be. I think going into that realm, because we started talking about like the appearance and comparison, what are some of the things that I guess you as an influencer had to kind of go through? And we mentioned a little bit earlier on in, in the intro um, and things that you see, I guess, that people reach out to you for help. Yeah, I mean, I think we all get to appreciate that even men, (laughs) we all have our own little insecurities and things that somewhere along the road we determined looks better or looks worse or whatever judgment Mm -hmm. we've made based on our own perceptions. Um, And so I myself have dealt with a lot of insecurities. And as my social media... (laughs) excuse me, as my social media um, grew, I made sure, okay, I'm not going to really show my face. I'm going to just look at what my body can do. Don't look at who I am. Don't look at my face. Don't look at my body too much. Like I really, I was so afraid of being judged, Mm -hmm. truly. Um, And I remember dating someone who was also growing quite a following at the time. And someone on his page had said, well, you know, I get she has a good body, but you could do so much better. Jeez. And it was like the one comment that I needed to confirm my story of, see, I'm not pretty enough. See, I'm mm-hmm. not like I shouldn't be showing my face. Um, and it was just it's so silly. And and this is the thing, like we have the ability to to make up any story in our head and confirm any story. And we can always find evidence for either one. I can find tons of evidence for people who said amazing things about me and were super nice. But what I was looking for was evidence to prove why I'm not good enough because that's where I was and that's where I was living in. And it wasn't until I really got into realizing my own negative self-talk and realizing that by me talking negative to myself, I was giving permission for other people to do it to themselves and realizing that I was passing on negativity just by doing it within me. And that is so not who I want to show up being. That's so not what I want my friends, my family, my nieces to see. So how can I shift it in me so that I can start to have that ripple effect for other people? And so it really was a practice of like, okay, let me write down two to three things I love about myself every day for 30 days. Like, Hmm. and it goes from like, you know, talking about your (laughs) personality and then all of a sudden you're like, okay, crap, I don't have any more personality traits I can write down. So I guess I have to start saying what I love about my physical. And it's such a good practice. And and I got into the habit of, of, you know, asking for support, just like you said, accountability, getting my friends and family to like be more aware of my conversation. If I said something negative, can you please catch me and make me reverse it? If you say anything negative, I'm going to catch you and make you reverse it. And it was having that accountability and support that allowed me to move along my journey and ultimately release a lot of that. 
which were so beautiful. And, and the more that I moved into it, the more that I gained confidence. And then I went through emotional intelligence program and really was like, why am I sitting back? Why am I uh, like putting on the label of myself as an observer, the shy one? Like I wait mm -hmm. for someone to come to me. Why am I doing that? That's so silly. Like I'm putting more judgment on myself than anyone else is putting on me. And it's so silly. So why don't I just be me? talk, speak, like be able to use my voice, show up for who I am fully and let go of these stupid, silly things that are holding me back. And the more that I, and it's practice, it's doing it once and saying, okay, mm -hmm. that was, that wasn't too bad. <laughs> Look, I'm still alive. I'm still here. Okay. Let me do it again and do it again and do it again. And the more I have now I can post photos of my body and my face and, <laughs> and, and own it. Like this is me. Even if you have anything to say about it, that's okay. That, has, that doesn't have to do with me because this is me. And I fully own it. And it's a and it's been a three-year journey. Um, and a beautiful journey and a continued daily journey. And I'm so open to talk about it because it is something that, you know, we do put on these judgments and based on our own perceptions that are so silly. And it's normal. Like we've grown up, especially in social media. The things that do better are what are showing more skin. Mm -hmm. either super skinny um, or maybe into like bigger and owning your body. Mm -hmm. But like, honestly, like in, in the in-between, you don't see as much. And the realness, you don't see as much cellulite. You don't see, you see more fake boobs. You see more fat grafting, meaning the, the fat being placed into the butt and, mm -hmm. and that looking a certain size now. You see a lot of airbrushing. You see a lot of face tuning. You see a lot of, um, and we've grown up with models that get airbrushed and all these other things. So, of course, we have judgment. Also, the things that do better on social media, like, and, and women will own this. And I know friends that have, you know, as soon as I got, they say, you know, as soon as I got hair extensions, I started getting more likes. As soon as I got fake eyelashes, I started getting more likes. So know that we're not necessarily going to break it. Like it is still a very um, physically driven social media outlet, especially with Instagram. If you don't want it to be, go on Twitter. Mm -hmm. Go somewhere else. You know, um, a lot of haters I know uh, hide behind uh, YouTube. So that's almost the worst place <laughs> if you don't, if you're afraid of judgment and all that. Um, but no matter what, social media is a very physically driven outlet, but you don't have to allow it to be for yourself. You get to dictate who you follow. You get to dictate who's in your sphere as to what you're seeing on a daily basis, what you're putting out on a daily basis, how you're talking to yourself in the mirror on a daily basis. You have the control and the responsibility to take it on. So although we can say, well, it sucks because this is how we've grown up. This is what we've been exposed to. This is the reality of social media. Sure. But you have the ability to control what you control and what you see. So think, that's yeah, it. You, you, first of all, if, um, if any of you listening right now have had or at some point um, had these type of thoughts or, you know, deal with these certain things which i know there are because i myself um whether male or female whatever it is mm -hmm. doesn't matter because mm -hmm. we both go through it um mm -hmm. i'm just having jen talk about more of the female but again that can go through any perspective um insecurities are a big deal 
right? Yeah. And we talked about stress, right? Stress and insecurities are also part of that negative mm-hmm. talk that we mentioned. Um, and I think, Jen, you made, you made a, a, an, an awesome, um, I guess, I don't know what you call that, but you talked about story and evidence, right? Like you, we have this story in our head, what we think people think of us, right? Without having, uh, I guess you can say evidence, without anybody telling us, right? We, we start to create the story, whether through what we see through our feeds, what we see through other people, what we've experienced as, as a child or as we grew up, we start to have, we start to build this story. Okay, people see me as this, I'm this and that and that, uh, which may not be true. And then you get this one little tap, right? A little uh, confirmation, whether it was like a comment or someone said something, or maybe someone just looked at you like, yeah, you see, I knew it. They told me I was fat the entire time. I knew it. They, you know, people think I'm whatever. Um, but, and, and I think you mentioned a super important part is like, we create the story mm-hmm. a lot of the times, right? We are the ones creating the story. And then we're looking for those same um, evidence to be like, oh, you know, just if you tell yourself you're this, you're that, you're this, you're that, guess what you're looking for? For somebody to, you're not looking for somebody to tell you the opposite. You're looking to confirm that, mm-hmm. which then creates, again, that negative uh, loop that we were talking about, mm-hmm. negative self-talk. Um, can you t- tell us a little bit more about the 30 the day challenge? I think that's <laughs> super interesting. And super, I mean, I'm sure that must have been super hard as well because 30 days of telling yourself, after who knows how long you were telling yourself uh, bad and negative things and this and that, like 30 days of disciplining yourself to say, nope, three things, nope, mm-hmm. three things, three things. So like, tell us a little more about, about those 30 days. It was just such a interesting, introspective way to be looking at my body in a different way. So even if it was like in the past, it would be, I hate that I look bloated. Mm-hmm. Like, how can I say? <laughs> yeah, no, it's true. Trust me. It's you know, true. I love my stomach and the way that it's able to adapt and tell me when I'm not getting the proper foods in my body. How can I switch that narrative so it becomes something mm-hmm. of appreciation and love? And and I say all the time, too, like I've had girlfriends who change up their diet, go super strict, like do all these things. And they're like, I'm not losing any weight. And they get really frustrated. And then they have like the one little chocolate or like or like they have ice cream once. And they're like, oh, my God, I can't believe it. Yeah, exactly. And it's like that stress that you put on your body from eating that one little bad thing is probably going to be the thing that's holding on to you. And causing mm-hmm. you to gain weight even more than just eating that thing and mm-hmm. just enjoying it. And allowing, again, compassion. Compassion for like, okay, like that's where I was at right then. And so for me, it was like this continual practice and like especially getting ready in the mirror every day. Because that's where I would r- roll a lot of the negative self-talk as I'm getting ready. As mm-hmm. I'm sitting there doing my makeup or or doing my hair or trying on clothes or whatever it may be, that's where a lot of that negative talk would come. And so it was being able to look and appreciate in a different way and catch myself. And even like looking at a photo. What is the first thing we usually look at when we take a photo with someone? We hone in on ourselves. Mm-hmm. <laughs> what do I look like? Is that my good angle? Do I look Okay. What I want you to post that, <laughs> you know, we look directly at ourselves. What if the first thing that we looked at was the scenery, the person we were with, the appreciation for being able to 
to be here in that moment. So what if the first thing we looked at was appreciation rather than just honing in on our own self-image? Mm-hmm. And just, again, awareness. And maybe you say, <laughs> maybe maybe it starts with, gosh, like, I'm so blessed that you're my friend. Like, this is so awesome we get to do this. Could we take another photo, though? <laughs> you know, you can still, like, maybe request another photo. But but rather than, like, oh, my God, I look so awful. Oh, my God, look at my legs. Or, like, something like that. Like, rather than an attack on yourself, an appreciation of the person you're with, and then a joyful attitude to, like, let's take another. <laughs> mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And it's I mean, just this this continual practice. Again, it's an awareness, it's a practice, and how fast can you catch yourself? I mean, it's I'm I'm sure it wasn't easy, and I think for no. the people listening, they're like, oh yeah, but you know, it's easy for you to say because mm-hmm. no, you know, mm-hmm. I mean, I, it's very easy to be negative for whatever mm-hmm. reason. I don't know the science behind it, but I, all I know is it's very easy to be negative and to create bad habits. Mm-hmm. Very hard to be positive, and very hard to create new habits. Um, but once, like Jen's mentioning, is the discipline, the practice, the compassion, the appreciation for the journey, first of all, and second of all, for yourself as well, I guess first for yourself, second for the journey, um, gives you the little feel, right? Because there are going to be days where, you know, you say two bad things before you say three good things. But, you know, as it starts to become easier, as it becomes more of a practice, as it becomes more of a lifestyle, um, then again, your narrative changes, right? The way you, you speak about yourself, the way now that aura, that energy, right? That you uh, present to people becomes less of this uh, victim, I guess, and more so of this confident person who really loves themselves, who really appreciates them themselves, and who who also appreciates the opportunity that they get to, to do whatever, whether it's to be in this conversation, to be uh, in a certain place at a certain time, to be able to have an opportunity. Um, it goes a long way. I think, like you mentioned, changing the narrative, appreciation, the story and the evidence. Changing your story is, or changing the, the, the story that you created, you know, mm-hmm. like changing the character, mm-hmm. I think um, is a super important and a great tool, right? Because yeah. we're, we're constantly, again, we mentioned about the social media and how um, it's not necessarily going to change, right? I mean... Mm-hmm. And and Jen mentioned a very important thing. It's like you can choose who you follow. You can mm-hmm. choose who are those feeds that you're looking at. If you're double tapping the stuff that you yourself don't want to be, then there's a problem, right? Mm-hmm. And that should be the first step. Okay, do I is this does this bring happiness to me? Does this help me? Does this um, further um, support the path that I'm trying to either enter or pursue or whatever? No, then it's probably not a good thing to to be influenced by. Mm-hmm. Um, and a lot of times you'll start to see, wow. Like, for example, uh, when I was going through the stress and anxiety and depression uh, stuff, I didn't realize until like two years in, I was like, okay, social media is a big component of this. And mm-hmm. then I one day I didn't post. I was like, oh God, I didn't post. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Second day, I didn't post. And then what happened after the fourth day I didn't post, this monkey that was on my back was no longer there, right? Mm. This this weight, right? And the same thing could be said about, um, you know, again, this certain content that you're following. All of a sudden, you're not following or, in, or you switch to like more motivational things. Guess what's going to happen? You're going to start having more positive things. You know, like, oh, wow, look at that. that. Oh, wow, that really connects with me. Rather than mm-hmm. saying, oh, my God, look what she's wearing today. I can't believe mm-hmm. she's wearing that double tap, you know? Like, mm-hmm. um, 
So changing your surrounding or changing your circle, like again, Jen, you mentioned, I think it's super, again, you don't necessarily, the world is never going to be perfect. Let's get real. It's mm-hmm. never going to be perfect. And I don't think, I think perfect world are boring world. I think it, it, that's why we have free will, right? That's why we have the opportunity to choose what path we take. If we are always mm-hmm. like monot, this is going to happen. This is going to happen. Perfect, 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 right? There's no, there's none of that. It's usually, um, you're going to have choices to make, right? Which what, that's, and that's what I was mentioning, like the spectrum between joy and sadness, right? We can't always be in this joy we, where we become more of this, like this manic person. And we can't always be in the sad and depressive state because then we, you know, we lose sight of what the world could be. But if we mesh the two, right, have this happy balance, uh, I wouldn't say happy, but have this balance, right? And then even that balance is always teeter-tottering. Some days are going to be easier, some days are going to be harder. But creating tools, right, or creating this influence, I think, also helps. Yeah. Um, and just changing our stories, being aware. Mm-hmm. Like, even <laughs> someone didn't text me back right away, and we make up a story, right? Like, they hate me. Oh, my God, what yeah. did I do? Like, yeah. what if they are busy? <laughs> Wow, like, maybe they had to go to the bathroom. Yeah. <laughs> Stories are typically assumptions. So right. how can we drop those assumptions and just come back Me. to, yeah. yeah, us? Wow. Um, I'm, what I'm going to do now, because there has been so much said, and I appreciate you, Jane, for uh, giving us the time and the opportunity to hear your perspective and your knowledge and principles. Um, what I'm going to do is I'm going to give a quick review for those of you that are just tuning in or um missed the first half for whatever reason your dog ran off or you know you were in the first half of your run and you're tired or whatever it is and now you're starting to listen whatever it is i'm going to do a little review um and then what we're going to do is we're going to talk about a few things that jen has been working on and has worked on and is providing for you guys as far as courses and resources and also um some contact stuff so you can uh reach out to her follow her um and make sure that you guys keep up with um jen so First things first. So again, Jen was mentioning uh, gymnastics, how she started there. She went into Pilates, uh, instructing Pilates, went into PT, uh, loved this calisthenics world as well, which started involving this social media influence, um, which was big on the physical, but she really wanted to change it into more like the human side and really attach the calisthenics, the physical, the the exercise component, but also the uh, the human side, the emotional side and the um, self-reflection, self-love side of um and the educational side of of what a human is right and then we went we talked about getting away from the physical going into the mind body connection um how as practitioners when we're taught in school is how to really be isolated or to really understand the human body and when we do that we tend to isolate certain parts um excuse me to go into um more depth but what happens we start to get fixated right we start to get really honed into really good knee stuff, protocols, or something like that. But then what happens, we started talking about that also, once you go through that path, at the end becomes the start. So there's, it's an end to the new beginning, a new door that opens, a new world of opportunities where you can go specialty, where you can really branch out and start to learn. Because school in reality gives you the tools to uh, start, to practice, to get your foot in through the door. But then once you're done, it's your opportunity to now hone into whatever it is to really learn, to really open up um, and really add into your toolbox. Um, We started also talking about how as you start to build this um, way of thinking, 
need to step back and talk to the person. Talking is a big component. Listening is a big component to patient care. Um, listening to what their story is, what they're coming with before you even do any type of tests or assessments and stuff like that. And you can learn a lot from the person in front of you. And always remember, there's a human in front of you. There's a actual person that has a life outside of your clinic or outside of wherever you're treating or working with them. Um, we started talking about stress and how uh, the ANS or the autonomic nervous system plays a big role and how breath, meditation and all that plays a big role. Um, and how pain doesn't always have to be biomechanically induced, can be environmental, could be stressed, right? And how structural abnormalities, we start, uh, Jen mentioned, she found out um, that she had scoliosis, but she also was a very active individual, um, calisthenics, gymnastics, and didn't necessarily have any issues. Um, so a lot of times, whether you have this MRI or x-ray that says you have a herniated disc or whatever, whatever it may be, it doesn't define you, right? It's just one piece of information that can help and sometimes not help, but do not um, grab on to that, right? Just use it as what it is, as just as a piece of information. Um, and then we started talking about resilience and how the body is super strong and how sometimes we fail to to be aware of how strong we really are, right? And we we and and what we're really capable of and how self talk can hinder both confidence and resilience. If you start to talk about uh, all the negative stuff when it comes to pain and all the things that you have to go through because of an injury rather than using that and using that journey that you've been going through as a positive, right? Or using pain, um, as we mentioned, as a beautiful alarm system, like Jen mentioned, right? With fairy dust everywhere. Um, talking about how pain is a guide, right? Just because you have pain doesn't mean all of a sudden you are this dysfunctional person. It's just your body telling you, hey, something's going on and you're not paying attention to. What we tend to do, right, what society has programmed to do is no pain, no gain, right? Push through whatever is going on because at the end of the day, you're going to be working hard and nothing's going to stop you. Yes, in a sense, you want to work hard towards goals and physical um, attributes and qualities and character and whatever it is, but also also listening. Listening not only goes from, from the practitioner to the patient, but also from the patient to the patient, or should I say to yourself, listening to what your body is telling you, right? You are your best doctor. You are your best therapist. So understanding through, right, through guidance, right, you may be working with a practitioner and they're teaching you all about movement, how to uh, understand more of your body and how you can maybe help yourself with certain resources and techniques and, and using that as a guiding principle. But understand that you are super resilient. You are super strong and and you are very capable, right? Pain or whatever it is doesn't necessarily have to hinder you, right? It's just uh, an alert. It's just a guide. Use it as such. Um, and then controlling your reaction, like we mentioned, using compassion, right? Just because you may be in pain or in a, in a negative um, situation doesn't mean you have to fight it with fire, fight it with negativity. How about stepping back and seeing it for what it is? Okay, I have this pain or I have this issue or this limitation, um, but I'm going to learn from it. I'm working on this. I'm working on that. And in a couple of weeks, I'm going to be better here. I'm going to be better there. It might, it might not go as fast as I wanted it to, but I'm going to make small progress, right? Um, and understand too that fatigue, right? Tired, pain is okay. It's part of human, right? If, if we didn't have that, it would be a robot, right? Like uh, um, Terminator, 
I guess, right? But we're not. We're human beings, right? With heart, stressful stuff, compassion, emotional stuff. So all of that plays a role on pain, plays a role on how you act on a day-to-day, how you react to certain things. So, you know, take it take it easy with yourself sometimes too. Like have compassion like Jen mentioned. Like again, if you have pain, it's okay. Understand why. Try to find out why may, things might be feeling like they are. If you're fatigued, if you're tired, if you're feeling down, that's okay. Figure out why that is, right? You may have had a long day. So guess what? You're not going to be happy all the time. And that's okay too. Being realistic, right? Being compassionate. Um, and the last segment we talked about is insecurities. Again, we, we wrapped it around um, when it comes to like female presence and female um, body image and stuff like that. But also guys, we go through this too. Depression, anxiety, we go through all of that. We want to look bigger or we look too skinny or we look too fat or whatever it is. Like whether you're female or male, we all have insecurities. And like Jen mentioned, we're telling ourselves this story to provide an evidence. Once we hear somebody say something or a look that somebody gives us to kind of confirm what we've been searching for, guess what? When you're searching for something, you're going to find it. You, you It starts to confirm this story you've been telling yourself, which a lot of times isn't true. Right. What about telling yourself a positive story? Right. And and Jen mentioned she went through a 30 day positive of 30 days of positivity where she had to write down. And what she was saying is, which I I can only agree that happens to a lot of us, is that when we're in front of the mirrors and we get to see ourselves, because most of the time we're just on the go, 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 you know, waking up, brushing our teeth, waking in the morning, doing our hair, whatever it is. That's one of the times where you're kind of in a still moment, but you're seeing yourself on the other side. You're actually facing yourself. And to tell yourself positive things is a lot harder than you you may think. Because a lot of times negativity and bad habits are a lot easier to master <laughs> for whatever reason. But positivity and good habits are a lot harder but more worthwhile. You get more return for positive, right, than you do for the negative. So understanding that, using something like a 30 days of positivity to help you switch that narrative, to help you now increase that appreciation. Because appreciation first it was going to help you create that acceptance of yourself to lower those insecurities, right? To reduce that negative self-talk that's going to now produce that, you know, continuum of the negative story, the negative evidence. Produce positivity, right? How you react to certain things rather than putting up this wall first. Try to accept yourself for who you are, right? Show compassion to yourself, right? And switch up the narrative. Um, and the next thing we also talked about was... Um, the exposure that we have now with, with social media, which comes into uh, this body image, you know, these how we see ourselves. Sure, there's plenty of content t- uh, targeting how you see yourself and uh, um, being perfect, right? Um, Jen was mentioning like uh, switching up pictures or touch-ups or whatever it is. Sure, that's one circle, but there's so many other circles out there. There's so many other people talking about so many good things that you choose for whatever reason to follow that, right? So if, if, if you're that type of person that, you know, you want to go into this path of really uh, seeking more of a positive light, more of a positive story for yourself, and then you are constantly interacting with negative content or the opposite, right? Then maybe that might have something to do with it, right? So it's, it's, such as, it's just as easy as kind of getting away from that and using, like we mentioned, changing your story, but also changing your circle, right? Changing your circle and who is influencing your story plays a big part. Um, I think that was a pretty good review. Is there anything I missed, Ben? 
That was a lot. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I agree. There, that was a lot. Um, <laughs> but with that being said, t- tell us more about um, any courses or resources that you may have. I know you have um, the mobility method going on. You have a couple of things on your website. Let's talk about that, and let's talk about how people can reach you. Yeah. So, I mean, all things Doc Gen Fit <laughs> is first. <laughs> I'm Dr. Enfit across all boards, YouTube, okay. Instagram, um, everywhere, my website. Okay. And I do have two programs. So the mobility method is really, you know, your ability to just increase awareness in your own body. Most of us have zero idea where our limitations lie um, as far as mobility goes. So it gives mm-hmm. you a self-assessment in terms of where your range of motion is. And then you get to actually decide and pick the program based on the exercises that you need to address your own mobility restrictions that are needed for you. And I think it's so important because it's just like, it's just like brushing our teeth every day. We brush our teeth every day so that we can try to prevent cavities and root canals and all these other things. Mm-hmm. And it's the same thing within our body. If we can start to prime these found our foundation, which is our ability to move into our full range of motion, um, just two minutes at a time, like two minutes before you get out of bed, two minutes before you do your workout, two minutes after your workout, and you just pick different exercises throughout the day, all of a sudden you have a full mobility routine without having to take 30 minutes to an hour a day, you know? And so just getting people back into the idea of your body is worth understanding and knowing about, and it's up to you to create that self-awareness because um, unless you're going to go to a PT personally, you know, this is your opportunity to be able to really dive in and self-assess. Um, and then the optimal body is your place where you don't have to think as much. <laughs> so I give you functional hit workouts that can literally be done anywhere. Most of them I do in my home. Um, and most of them with, with zero weight. So ways that you can be able to just learn about your body in a different way. Again, I use a lot of single leg stability, rotational type stuff, um, things that you wouldn't traditionally do in a gym so that you can just start to increase your awareness of your strength and your body and your body control. Um, and then there's also core stability workouts. So this goes into what is the core? <laughs> How do I functionally and progressively build up the core, which is not just your six pack. So mm-hmm. getting people back into the idea of what the true core is. And then um, there's also mobility flows for every part of the body. So you don't have to think about it. And I'm also adding in mindset tools. So it's just a whole comprehensive uh, body program that I'm very passionate about, really Again, my, my goal that I feel like I bring people is back into awareness and education. And that's mm-hmm. 100% what my programs are. Okay. So just a recap. Again, you guys can find Jen anywhere by searching Doc Jen Fit. That's IG uh, on her website. Anywhere you'll find her. Um, two programs, like she mentioned, Mobility Method, which is a more customizable uh, type of feature. And then Optimal Body. If you're looking for something more like uh, easygoing and you don't necessarily have to create anything, or you just kind of follow something, looks like optimal body is what you need to do. Uh, workouts, anywhere you, uh, you, she was saying more functional stuff as far as no weights or anything like that, which is great. Uh, core, mobility flow, you know, she takes care of it all. All you got to do is follow. Um, that's awesome. Again, a lot of times in this busy world, in this busy society, we tend to have a hard time, you know, um, creating time to do certain things, right? It's people like yourself, Jen, that are creating these resources for to make it a little easier on people. Um, with that being said, 
what I want to do now is at the end of each episode, I want to not only thank you, Jen, but I really want to appreciate you for, for spending the time um, out of your day to not only talk about your story, talk about your experiences, your knowledge, um, and some of the things that you may have come across uh, that some people may not think that, you know, that some people may be going through and they think that they're the only ones. I think having someone uh, on the other end of this mic to, to share their story plays a big role on creating that conversation with ourselves. Um, and, and not only that, but it's also another guiding uh, resource, somebody that they can reach out to. So I really appreciate um, your time and you jump in on this podcast with us. Um, the other thing is I want to thank the listeners. Thank, you know, I want, I want to thank them wherever they are running at home, taking care of their ch- uh, children um, on the, in the library, listening to this while they study um, at work. I don't know, wherever you are, I want to thank you for, for taking the time to not only listen to us, but, you know, give us a time to share this experience, to share this knowledge um, and valuable information that we think and, you know, we're very passionate about um, to be able to give this type of time to you guys and this type of information. So thank you for um, giving us the time and taking the time to, to listen to us. And then the last thing is thank you to our clients and to our patients, to the people that we get to work with on a daily basis, whether online, in person, um, through educational courses and resources. We want to thank you for allowing us, uh, or should I say, for cherishing our, our value. Because, yeah, we can love what we do, but if there's no one to share it with, then it kind of sucks. So I really want to thank you for humbly uh, allowing us to help you in whatever it is, whether it's pain, movement, limitation, uh, education, whether it's to become a better practitioner, a better coach, whatever it is. I want to thank you for giving us the time uh, to do what we love and to do what we do best because, um, again, you can love what we do, but if you have nobody to share it with, then again, it's not the same thing. So thank you uh, to our clients and thank you to our patients. Thank you to our listeners. And then, like I mentioned, thank you, Jen, for jumping on this podcast with us. Yeah, thank you. Um, with that being said, this is Connect and Move Radio. I'm your host, Andy Fortuna, signing out. Hey there, Andy Fortuna here, and I hope you enjoyed that episode. It would mean the world to me if you took the time right now to leave a review for this podcast. I love the opportunity to connect and share information with you and would love the opportunity to do the same with passionate people just like you. So please take the time to leave a five-star review and help bring value to more people. See you on the next episode. Hold up.